This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 561 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Generations are forged. Life on Lexor. Future state to be continued. Batwoman's on the case. We got a rogue messiah. Robots are taking over. Meep. And let's check in with the nuclear family. This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, February 28th, 2021. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs, or you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and maybe leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Generations Forge, number one, by Jurgens, Venditti, Schmidty, Hitch, Chang, Doran, Santucci, Perkins, Pelletier, Rapman, Prado, Curry, Nolan, and Hi-Fi. We wrap up what was originally the kickoff of DC's aborted Generation 5 concept, thrown out along with Dan DiDio. Now it's unclear how much this actually impacts things, aside from a cosmological announcement we'll discuss in a moment. We return to Dominus and his 50s-style perfect life now being solidified as the other time remnants are wiped out. His son sees behind the veil for a moment, so Dominus rewinds things to wipe out that moment, very reminiscent of WandaVision. Interesting how two very different stories wind up on the same track at the same time. By the way, watch WandaVision. That very thought occurred to me while I was reading this as well. I do like WandaVision much better. So meanwhile, Starfire, Dr. Light, and Commandy are trapped on Krypton only days before it will explode. Hoshi is injured in an escape attempt, allowing Commandy to flee. Jor-El takes custody of the other two, and he and Hoshi compare scientific notes. Hoshi confirms the imminent destruction of the planet and uses her powers to push it back a few months, allowing Kal-El to be born. She also connects to the goneness and realizes it's coming. Dominus pawns Artemis, Omac, and Bombshell. Now realized he's left them to die, so they join forces with the heroes and they all bug out. Meanwhile, Steel and Superboy are trapped on prehistoric Thanagar and have been for months. Superboy has no powers there, but despite that, they manage to survive on dinosaur meat. Clark keeps asking John about his future, but is wisely told he can't know about it. John keeps telling him to wait for their moment, which they get when Dominus Pons, Eradicator, and Nemesis Kid arrive. They fight, then run as the Godness appears with only the heroes surviving it. Meanwhile, Sinestro, Booster Gold, and the Golden Age Batman are trapped in the future home of Omac, Electric City, a cruel world where the poor are hunted for sport and you can create your own robo-hooker via Build-A-Friend. Sinestro stops rich kids taking pot shots at the rabble from their sky car. Booster watches the wave of goneness coming. G.A. Bats sees a world he doesn't want to be a part of, saving a girl only to find she's a robot. 
Dominus Pond's major force and ultra-humanite arrive, then also learn they're trapped there. The group go up to the Brother Eye satellite, convince it to help them out of self-preservation, and match it with Skeet's technology to escape. The entire group appears at Vanishing Point, and then Hoshi and Sinestro determine Dominus's hiding place. They all attack, there's a fight, characters die, and Dominus's world collapses. Back at Vanishing Point, Wave Rider tells them, now that time is fixed, they will be dropped back to their proper points in time, which is not a great deal for Commandy, although Elder Booster Gold decides to hang out with him for a while. Wave Rider also explains they are from the most unique of universes where time passes a bit differently, where people age differently, almost imperceptibly. Golden Age Batman is the last to leave, and Wave Rider continues calling their home the Linearverse. Your youth and vitality will endure for decades, enabling you to be effective far longer than the universal norm. He also gives Batman a time travel band in case of emergency or for a future storyline. Speaking of storylines, the Linearverse is basically what Dio wanted to do with Generation 5, that the trinity of the Golden Age is the same one of today. This is emphasized with the final splash page, showing each of the Trinity changing styles over the years. Creating what will now be a separate concept gives future writers a huge canvas for future stories. Presumably, this will be further explored in Infinite Frontier, coming out in March. Future State, Superman vs. Imperious Lex Number 2 by Russell Pugh and Ferrado Jr. Lois flies down to Lexor, with Clark hanging out beyond the Red Sun's influence. If you get into trouble, call me. Even under a Red Sun, I've got at least three good minutes in me. Lois replies, I can confirm that. Nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. Superman goes off to work on Lex's old robots. Lois is initially greeted with a big fanfare, but it's clear she's going to get the sanitized version of Lex Kingdom. Lois goes over the planet's finances, which are a mess, but Lois notes that, now that they're part of the UP, it's a shared issue. He's then told a massive cache of energy crystals are found, and when he realizes he will be the richest man in the galaxy, she replies, Don't you mean our crystals? Yep, the contract goes both way. Lex immediately tries to get out of the UP. Lois refuses, and Lex responds by killing the UP survey crew, taking Lois prisoner, and taking over the crystals himself. Of course, Superman won't let this stand, flying in to attack Lex in his battle suit. Lex allows his subjects to keep Supes busy until the Red Sun does him in. Lois comes in wearing a survey team robot suit to kick Lex's butt and saves her husband. Of course, it's all spun as a win on Lex News, with the UP dropping Lexor's membership. Lex then learns that the energy crystal market went bust after Superman synthesized more at the fortress, making them plentiful and saving the UP from an energy crisis. Okay, I have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> if Soups could make these energy crystals, why wasn't he doing it before? Yeah. <laughs> why not do it and give power to the universe instead of just waiting until he can screw over Lex Luthor? What they used to call in the Silver Age, super dickery. Yes. Of course, Clark wants the credit to go to the brave survey team that found the crystals and died in the attempt. Now, what's interesting here, and in the Future State Batman issue, is that both end with To Be Continued. Future State was intended to be a fill-in event, separating the end of the metal event from Infinite Frontier. 
in a big non-surprise, new stories from new creators have gotten the fans excited, so DC is hedging their bets. We already know that the new ongoing books will cover the Batman storyline, that future Batman storyline. Batman Catwoman Book 3 from DC Black Label by King Man and Maury. There's a few points of note in this otherwise filler issue. Bruce and Selina's daughter is now Batwoman, with Dick Grayson serving as the new police commissioner. She's investigating the murder of Joker, which is a problem since Selina killed him. We also learn that, now that the lawyers have been dealt with, Selina, as Bruce's widow, is the richest woman in the world. Back in the recent past, Joker tells Selina his specific plans to kill a lot of people, which she will now need to relay to Bruce. But if she does that, Bruce will know she was working with the Joker. A dilemma! We'll see how she handles it. I have to say, we were expecting more from King's Batman follow-up. Second Coming, Only Begotten Son, number two from Ahoy Comics by Russell, Pace, Kirk, and Troy. After Jesus freaked out his followers by stabbing Satan in the heart, he needs to collect new ones. Conveniently, there's a Christian amusement park, a.k.a. the giant ark they built in Kentucky, with plenty of possibilities. Unfortunately, it's part of a massive megachurch more interested in money than souls. They sell blessed blankets for people to hold on to as they see the world burn. And if that doesn't work, how about a faith pistol? They have also started faith schools where history began 6,000 years ago, apparently with the Flintstones. In the midst of this, a bereft man considering suicide calls their prayer line for help and is offered the deluxe prayer package, now only $89.99. Jesus goes to the park and is assumed to be one of the many sons of God hired to run events. He tells the masses that God is disgusted with the human race, they are no longer God's children, it's time to grow up and love each other. The masses want their money back. I can't believe I missed the Red Sea parting for this. Security guards in period outfits try to arrest him. It's happening again. So he runs off, at one point running across the water at the Jordan Pool. Jesus manages to find a bus and realizes he can't collect people in a throng. It has to be done one at a time. He gets his chance when the bus is stopped in traffic where the suicidal man is about to jump off a bridge. Of course, people want him to just jump so they can get moving. Jesus talks him down, at one point handcuffing them together. The security guard had gotten one cuff on him earlier. Jesus explains to the man that he's considered jumping off a temple once, only realizing that someone else, Satan in that case, was pushing him to do it. We need to make a decision that isn't based on other people's expectations of us, a decision that's not even based on our own fear or selfishness. But if you take away all that, what's left? Your soul. Sunstar-only cameos in this issue. Penultimate number five from Ahoy Comics by Payer, Robinson, and Lofridge. Back at the FBI, where P-Man used to work, they watch footage of the hero going nuts at the positive thinking rally, wondering what they will do if P-Man is actually losing it. P-Man drops in, telling them they are already doing it. Staring at a TV, never blinking, not missing a frame, watching the hero fall, your smug eyes so superior... He tells them about his secret ID, but they just want to know why he's so angry. Robots Penultiman and Anti-Penultiman swoop in and take him prisoner back at the fortress. They begin a trial with the sentence of being shut in a box until he ends up back in his own time. When P-Man tries to escape, he destroys the new robot, and Anti-P-Man chastises him for his cruelty. 
so certain of your status, yet you never stop wondering about your own, asking, am I inferior to my ancestors? Can I still be superior to everyone else? He's thrown in the box, and he wakes with his father from the future, looking down on him. They embrace, and the father reaches into his mind, finding out how P-Man actually feels. It's actually the robot doing this. Anti-P-Man and P-Man agree to swap places with the hero in the robot's body. The new P-Man assures the world that all is well, and that the robot acting as him was a renegade. They fly off with the robot in a force bubble. Take a good long look at your public. This is the last time you'll ever see them. Because we have to maintain the cover story? No, because I'm ashamed of how backward you are. Oh, cool. Just a bizarre story taking the classic Superman robot concept and turning it inside out. The Dreaming, Waking Hours number 7 from DC Black Label by Wilson and Rodriguez. Goldie, the baby gargoyle, and Matthew, the raven, find themselves in Heather's hospital room after she used a spell of protection against the fairy puck. After some confusion, Matthew agrees to go to her apartment and get an amulet as a favor. Meanwhile, Ruin and the angel have a visitor, Heather's boyfriend, looking for her. They go to her apartment just in time for Matthew to arrive. Then a nurse shows up to get Heather's meds, who happens to have true sight and now views an angel of light and a nightmarish snake. The amulet is incredibly powerful, so Matthew decides to go tell Dream about it while the boyfriend takes it to Heather. Back in the hospital, Heather magically locks the door and does another incantation using Goldie as a conduit. She accidentally calls in Oberon, Lord of the Fairies, but no longer King. His wife Titania's handmaiden Nuala learned of her mistress's true name and took over the kingdom. Now Titania is the handmaiden and Oberon is a hapless vagabond. The nurse and the boyfriend can't get in the room, so they commiserate in the hallway. Oberon offers to save Heather if she can get back the kingdom, and she agrees. One explosion later, the doors open and all is well, except that Puck just stole her patient record. Next issue, off to the fairy kingdom. Nuclear Family Number 1 from Aftershock by Phillips and Shastine. I've been considering delving into Aftershock ever since they were founded a few years ago. They bring in top talent for creator-owned works. Stephanie Phillips did Harley Quinn and Sensational Wonder Woman for DC. The story begins in 1957, just as the Ruskies have launched Sputnik, and everyone is worried. We meet Tim, a used car salesman, whose buddy Dan uses a Korean war wound as a trick to make a sale. Both were actually in Korea, but were radio operators and never saw combat. Tim goes home to his family, a daughter secretly smoking, a son into war games, and a 50s wife. He goes down to his basement for his hobby, ham radios. Suddenly, Tim hears the sirens and goes outside to see if it's a drill. It's not. A huge explosion occurs in the distance, and the family skedaddles into the basement. A bomb appears to go off right over their home, and we assume it's all over for them. Somehow, they survive, weren't even hurt. Tim goes out to survey the damage, and troops in gas masks assail him. Not another step, commie. So what happened? Civilization appears to be gone except for their house. Looking forward to the rest of this series. Announcerbot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. 
Like us at Facebook.com slash SFPPN. Follow us on Twitter at SFPPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFPPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.